1: all right folks welcome back to life's mount west wire basketball podcast that's right we're here um we're getting our reps in here we're getting our podcast in when we can just about once a week eli Betker, jeremy moss again it's the second podcast of march so here you go you're welcome folks yeah this
0: is march <laughs> we're one step closer to the ncaa tournament and the Mountain west tournament
1: we are and it's on did you know it's on st patrick's day as well oh did not know that that's uh something extra i guess uh
0: <laughs> the, the
1: bars will be hopping, that's for sure.
0: Exactly. Put it on CBS,
1: guy. What do you mean? Yes. <laughs> Put Or whatever. Is it on CBS again? They always
0: yeah. change the channels. It's on do. I, well, I think so. It was on TBS last year. Okay. Let's hope it goes
1: well. Uh, all right. So here's what we're doing here. You know where to check us out, mwr.com, for all your uh, fire glass extinguisher needs for videos and punching things.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go back to that game. We're going to talk about the game itself, but also kind of the extra stuff, which... You and me had a discussion a couple days ago. No clue what happened. But, well, yeah. well definitively. All, all things considered, yeah. Because last week, huge game. Biggest game. I think it's pro- it might be the biggest one ever for Utah State.
0: It, I mean, it's up there. It was it was a really important game for them. And their first win against a ranked team since... Like a decade, at least. What, since they in the WAC. I think since 0, they're in the I think, yeah.
1: And so, like... And here's the thing too, part of it, when they're in the Big West, when they're in the WAC, they weren't playing regular season-wise typically highly ranked teams. Like the competition has gotten, that's why Utah State, like, oh, they keep winning 20 wins with Stu Morrill, win the Big West, takes a minute to get going the WAC, took much longer to get going the Mountain West, now Craig Smith. And so they're still, they've had a couple blips here and there, but you think about who they're playing, they don't have the opportunity, especially at home play a highly ranked team because Long Beach State yeah, they are pretty good back in the day when they are in the same league but they weren't great. Cal State, Florida, it's like meh, what do you got? Nothing. They might make some tourney, um, something exciting but nothing at home to get a ranked team because they'd play Utah occasionally BYU, whoever else but this I didn't look up the exact history but it's probably their best win in 20 years
0: at least. It, it was the 7th largest crowd ever at the Spectrum. They had 10,387 fans on hand so it was a sellout and I believe the Spectrum's actual capacity is listed at 10,270, so they were probably above capacity for this one. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was just awesome. I, I was kind of disappointed. Well, I do not even kind of. I was disappointed because of the, I think it was Georgetown-Seton Hall game uh, that was oh, tagged geez. on CBS Sports Network before then. And, of course, it goes to double overtime between two sub-500 Big East teams that no one wants to watch instead of the tip-off for a sellout game between uh, number number 12 Nevada at the time and uh, Utah State. But it was an awesome game, and uh, we can obviously get into more of the details of it, but I think just to see the turnaround that Utah State has had under Craig Smith and have that atmosphere like that is really good for the conference as a whole. And that was just a really fun game, and I know a lot of people are hoping for a, a rubber match in the Mountain West Tournament, and it could very well go that way.
1: We'll see. But also, you know what you have fixed that. Have a two-and-a-half-hour window, not a two-hour window for basketball games.
0: Yeah, that's what it should be now.
1: They pushed it back a little bit. I think because I was out and about. I didn't get – I started watching a little bit later. But I messaged them like, okay, hey, is it being pushed back? I think it's – maybe they gave about 10 minutes just in case mm-hmm. for overtime. But it's, it happens with football too. But it's like – I know they put it online. It's like, okay, but it's not the same. It's harder to find. It's like just – I know you don't want to hold the game forever because these things happen. There's no overflow channel for CBS Sports Network. That's all there is. But if you make the window two and a half hours, because they have the guys in the studio in New York, whether it's Rothstein, Gary Parish, whoever else is up there hanging out for the weekend, yeah. go to them for five eight minutes to go through what happened in these games or talk about the upcoming game. Because like literally, I know they probably cut up the little preview they do at courtside. He was calling the game, but is it that hard to put do even two fifteen?
0: I was thinking two fifteen. At yeah. least
1: like I don't know what ESPN or regular regular CBS or FS1 do, but come on, do at least 215. And then you can either do a proper pregame or if a game goes long, either free throw contest at the end, overtime, double, triple. It's uh, not good. I don't like it. Um, I'm looking at Utah State's tournament victories. I think they're, one of the best wins could be that Ohio State victory back in uh, 2001, maybe. Mm. They beat them. That's their last tourney win. They almost beat – I remember that Marquette game in Boise was pretty crazy. But I'm starting to look for all-time wins. Um, that's probably their best one ever, I'm thinking, tournament-wise. So, I don't know. It, it's This one was great. So All right, so for the game itself, how much did you take into the uh, that charge at the end or the officiating throughout? Because people were not happy with the whistle blowing as much as it did.
0: Uh, yeah, the officiating was bad. And Nevada fans probably have more reason to be upset than Utah State fans. But there were a number of calls on both teams that just did not make any sense, and especially the thing that drives me crazy is when you have a game that's as physical as this one was, because I I tweeted out, and a number of people disagree with me, and that's fine, but I said that this was probably the most physical game played in the league this year, and I know the Nevada-Fresno State game was really physical too, but uh, to have calls where you have almost a scrum on the floor or guys diving after it, or, or making a ton of contact and not calling anything and then on the opposite side of the court you call a little bump 30 feet from the basket that's those kind of inconsistencies to to just chop up the game and and uh just kill the flow of the game is what bothers me the most because uh, then you have these guys who picked up ticky tack fouls. Like I don't know if you remember the foul that Trayshawn Thurman had, his fifth foul to knock him out of the game, mm. which was like a, a touch foul. Um, it was it was ridiculous because they, there were so many plays that uh, were very physical and could have warranted fouls, and then there are a number of plays that did warrant, or, did, or that did have fouls that would, um, uh, were rather ticky tack or hardly any contact was made. But at least for that charge call, I. When I watched it live, I didn't think that was um, a charge at all. And Caleb Martin just soared to the basket. And I think it was Merrill that was there that did take the yeah. charge. But I don't know how you can call a charge in that um, situation. But I, I talked to Kevin Sweeney from CBB Central on this, and he said that if that same play were to happen in Reno, there was no way that would have been called a charge. And I think that's just the reality of it. Um, so many of those blocked charge but calls. But those are, are
1: those are lame excuses too, that? depending where you play, the crowd. It's Like, here's the thing. I officiate stuff. Um, I do some water polo, which is way different, obviously, than this high level. But it's the same thing. Like you mentioned, if you call this, call that. Because I had a game this past weekend where the other... I've done it for a couple of years. I have took some breaks, but I haven't done it consistently. So other guy's done it for a long, long, much longer than me in a row, like 10 years in a row. And, and like me, like three of the past 12. I've done it. So he's like... And it makes p- perfect sense what you're saying. There's probably a different person calling the foul on the other end because where your position is. But... To get rid of that stuff, there's two things you can do about it. If it's physical, that's fine, but it has to be the same call basically or close to the same call either end of the court. That's that's where
0: – that's what didn't happen.
1: And yeah, and so when I do my stuff, it's like, okay, because it looks really bad if I were to call something, say I give somebody like a penalty shot. Okay, that's a clear penalty, great, or whatever. That's what I call, but then I I'm at the other end. And like, so I'm, well, basically the other team's on offense, and I call say nothing, or I call something that's not as severe. That looks bad because hey, you called that a basically exact same thing first quarter, third quarter here, basically identicals type of play, and you give them nothing because they tried to shoot it and missed it instead of the other guy who got the penalty. You have to do it the same the whole game. I don't, I get basketball like oh, end of the game, don't call a foul. No, you should call the same foul at the beginning or the end. But if it's physical, you either get rid of it right away because the first few minutes stuff happens if it's physical or whatever and you're gonna want to make those calls and keep it that way the whole game and n- not let it escalate to like nothing happened on the court we'll get to the after the court stuff but my point is if you're gonna if you're gonna let the game be physical let it be physical the whole way outside of maybe the first couple minutes like okay let's tone this down call you can call this ticky tack thing say early on after something maybe some mm-hmm. more physical stuff happens but then that teaches the players okay it's Four, 12 minutes left in the first half it was kind of physical they weren't really calling but then they call a couple quick whistles which are fouls but not clearly as extreme earlier on where okay we know we can't be pushy as much as we were in the first couple minutes that's fine once you get that settled it's maybe it shouldn't get to that point ever even in the first couple minutes but if you're gonna call it physical let it go and once you realize okay you don't want you see aggression okay we don't want to get out of hand who you knows technical or flagrant you want to call that it's like hey we're cleaning this up call a couple quick fouls that are fouls and then go the rest away way to make it more what typically happens that's kind of how you clean up early because if you don't call it don't call it don't call it there could be something some blow up later in the game or you get upset like you said the Thurman foul which hey you didn't call this type of foul 12 minutes ago why are you calling it now
0: mm-hmm. that's the type it's, of stuff it's like, the inconsistency yeah. uh, that is the worst I think that's what you're getting at too if you're inconsistent yeah. with the calls throughout the game then that's going to be a major problem but if through 40 minutes you roughly let them play, then that's just the style of the game. And if it's uh, more tightened up and you call a lot more fouls, then that's how that goes. But yeah. the inconsistency is what bothered me on Saturday, and I think that charge call and a number of calls that were made down the stretch against both teams is what a lot of people were upset about, and, then, and rightfully so because it did impact um, the final score. So that's yeah. how that goes. But it's—I mean—that's college basketball.
1: Yeah, four Nevada players fouled out, three Utah State players fouled out. It's like, yeah. when's the last time you've seen, like, that's what, seven players? Yeah, yeah, seven players. <laughs> when's the last time you've seen, like, two players throughout the game typically without overtime? Not very often. Three, it's, like, r- ridiculous. You have seven in regulations? Like, uh, it's it kind of marks from the game because when you look at the actual game, like, Utah State's defense played really well. Caroline, yeah, played pretty bad, missed all three pointers. Like I said previously, it's going to be close, even though we picked Nevada look for a defensive effort by Utah State to maybe be the difference and that's what it was here 30 allowing just 36% from the field pretty poor from three point range Utah State shot a tad better but that's kind of a and a million free throws what 71 free
0: throws Yeah, a the game. free throws inflated the final score.
1: It it did even though 81's like eh, it's a slightly above average but I got to give credit like Utah State's defense throughout for not allowing Caroline and other players to or overall blow up like Porter had one point.
0: For yeah, the, the, the Utah State defense was fantastic throughout the game and especially Sam Merrill who uh, he will always get his chops for what he does on the offensive side and he had 29 points and it was just fantastic um, on Saturday night but his de- defense against Caleb Martin I thought was tremendous and even though Martin ended up with 23 points he was always up in uh, Martin's grill and made him really tough to work and uh, Caleb Martin had to work really hard to get those 23 points, and nine of them came from the free throw line. So as good as he put on the offensive end, I think his defense was as good, if not better, and that's partly the reason why Utah State came up with the upset.
1: So let's get to the postgame stuff. So I guess I, I don't know. What, I really don't know what happened because I know somebody who's like, you see the videos from the guy from KUTV in Salt Lake, and then TV photographer, film guy I know over at KSL – I chatted with the other day where I work at. They they were down there. Got both angles. All we here's what we first know: a bunch of swearing going on, Caroline blowing up, Try, coaches trying to hold him back. He's by the Utah State locker room. There were a lot of allegations going on about I because we don't know what really happened. There was we do know the fans pass out the sheets, hey, chant this, chant that. That's not a normal or whatever. That's it, It's fairly typical for most college campuses right for basketball they kind of just to be mm-hmm. music, whether it's usually cheers but sometimes they'll point stuff out to other team which eh, ethical it's like if one guy's diabetes come on really you're gonna mention that and get it get out of that and again like have a cookie or something come on relax <laughs> those are those are kind of low but you can do a few things because I remember when Brandon Davies at BYU he came back after he had the honor code violation he got his girlfriend pregnant had a kid can't play for BYU he comes back and they all start making stuff about saying stuff about him at the spectrum it's like chill so there were things where like maybe there's racial slurs we don't know crowd getting after it crowd rush to court from who i knew was at the game and people in the locker room or in the hallway there the crowd got rowdy i don't know exactly what i said but when we saw the video like there's a security footage that came out later as well which well it kind of cleared it up it didn't really clear it up right you know what i mean yeah I think all that we saw could make out – because some people, after I tweeted out the article I wrote up, I'm like, I'm going to be careful what was said because I don't want it because we look through, like, maybe that's that coach. Maybe it is. We look at their hair color, skin color. It's like it's not the greatest def video. So it's like we're not going to say it looks like that assistant coach or that team manager or that player. You know what I mean? Unless you can clearly see the number, like Caroline in the hallway, easy, right? His number is there. Yeah. So from what we could tell – and I saw another video too – like. A few guys didn't shake hands in the line. Cause that's what the mountains came out with. Like, oh, there was nothing from the crowd rushing to court. The only thing I saw closely is I wouldn't have had to put, like, whoop his head around, probably because he felt the burst of wind of all these people coming on the court. <laughs> yeah. And so I looked at a couple angles of that and, like, okay, that's – I'm like, is that something that looked like he fell down? Like, then I saw the reverse angle. You no, know, he probably just was – you know how it is. Like, if you get a rush of crowds, like, well, what the heck is that? You look around. But all we could tell is that maybe um, – well, most may have skipped – a player, a coach or two in line. Like, he was way, one video I saw was way ahead of the group after he maybe said something to Craig Smith or whoever, like anybody in the line, any coach, I'm not sure, wasn't really happy about it. which, wait, you're not going to be happy, but you still got to do it. And then I think what we saw, I saw two of these, the one security, one other one. The one I saw, I don't think I sent two, was like the other side from the fans' uh, perspective. Still hard to tell because the people in the way a little bit. But there was one coach we saw, Utah State guy, like, I guess, skip a hand, turn back, and say something, which I don't know what he said. The DC and Nevada staff were like kind of put his hand to like, hey, like basically saying chill. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was said. I don't know if he missed the guy on purpose, if he said something. But for that thing to lead, for that whatever was said by the Aggie assistant coach, if he said anything, which it seemed like he probably did the way he turned and what you could tell, to equate that to blow up after the game, I don't know if those are co- correlated – but there's also kind of people saying, some people saying, like, well, Utah State coach, that same one, I believe, said something in the hallway or tunnel. So I don't know what to believe or what happened. All I could tell is that there was a little something in the handshake line. And you watch security footage. You watch the first four minutes. He comes out upset, jersey over his head, Caroline, speaking of. Not happy, played poorly, lost. Four minutes later, just comes rushing out of the locker room when people tried to hold him back. So I don't know if something else was said or what the deal was, but that's visually what we've seen, I don't know what happened.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's hard to tell, and there's so much that we have to take into consideration here, but obviously, there was something that happened in the handshake line. We both saw that after you pointed it out, um, which looked like it began with the Utah State assistant coach and the way the Nevada assistant coaches reacted to it, but you almost have to assume that something was said in the hallways because Caroline was completely distraught in the hallway with his jersey over his head and and such, and there was another Nevada staffer that was there with him. Mm -hmm. And then just almost out of nowhere, he just sprinted down the hallway. And so I'm sure – and you can't tell with the security footage because it's muted, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure something was said there that made Caroline blow up like he did because it just wouldn't make sense to – Switch from those two emotions so fast because you you saw Caroline for at least 10 to 15 seconds at a time. He had his head against the mm-hmm. um, hallway wall with his jersey over his head, and like he was he I mean he didn't he didn't look good. Like he seemed very distraught, and um, to switch from those two emotions with and nothing else happening,
1: of, assuming because the video was live time, that's only like a, like a four minute period in between.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it, was, it was quite a while, and then, uh, but I, again, to go from that emotion to the emotion of anger and wanting to fight someone, and then all the expletives that he was saying afterwards and having to be held back, you have to assume that something was said by someone else, um, most likely one of the Utah State assistant coaches, so it's an interesting deal, and I don't know if we'll ever really know what was said or what happened, but um, it it's unfortunate because it was a good game and that's going to end up being the biggest headline from that game. Mm-hmm. And it is the biggest headline at this point, but um, yeah, that it's just what happened. And uh, luckily I think the one huge things that, that we can take out of all of this, which we can all be thankful for is that Caroline didn't hurt himself when he uh, punched the fire extinguisher glass because he could have easily broken his hand or suffered a pretty serious injury, but he did play against air force and, um, Played pretty well, so that's it's good for him that he uh, didn't come away with an injury because that could have been pretty serious and would have had a major impact on Nevada the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, I'm reading through stuff like what Chris Murray had a bunch of tweets in Mel about stuff, and it, it, I don't know. They're saying there's crowd chants and let's all that, but like he said, like, he is, makes a good point. Like there was a good few minutes in between because they did go. To, they say they went down the wrong tunnel, but that's the only way to go with how the court rushed, and they, yep. everybody said like they led them down the right the right way to get going so they weren't involved in the crowd or court storming. But here's the thing on get about as well. Yeah, you blow up like that. I I don't know what would make me go crazy like that. I because here it, it's probably a combination of things. You lose the game, crap, fans rush to court and also remember this is the third time only third loss all year and the third time this the student section of the whole stadium runs on the court after these losses. As well. New Mexico, San Diego State and this now that happened in those other games. So you lose, you play bad maybe someone said, maybe an assistant coach on Nevada, I was just kind of speculating, said, hey, did you hear what that Utah State coach said? If that's what happened. Like, oh, I was like, he said what? And then there's a thing about in the hallway, something said again. But I think you're right, something down the hallway happened again, he punches the extinguisher. And by the way, did you see the GoFundMe to raise 300 bucks to repair that? Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't <do> that. <laughs> they raised 300 <laughs> bucks in a day. But like, I had a guy, like, the guy over who I worked with, he was on a radio show the other day, he was one of the guys who shot one of the film Matthew Glade, and he's like, well, he was just, well, he heard some noise. Like, he was kind of in between the, stu- the uh, f- footage, and somebody tried to, stu- I hate this tweet somebody did. Somebody did a cool side-by-side, which was great. Then they go, with audio. I'm like, I go back to it. No, all they did was sync the audio we already knew. It's like, I thought that was pretty pretty low to do that. Oh. See, did you see one of the – because I like that. I'm like, oh, what's this? I, I put up on thought Maybe there's a little something. Who knows? But no, I look at it. So they synced up the video audio from the videos, two videos we had. But oh, he was like – he's heard something yeah. going. He was not frightful, but he was like freaking out a little bit. Like, holy crap, what's going on here? But mm-hmm. he heard the same chance during the game, and I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think that happens everywhere. But one thing that happened that was odd to me, the Mountain West said there's a handshake thing, and that's it. The court storming, fine, I saw nothing wrong with there. They said someone said a handshake line, which seems fairly definitive, I think. At least something. I don't know what said, but something where Musselman races ahead. Utah State probably got here's what I think may have happened. Like this is maybe I think to me this seems like the most logical thing for the handshake line to kind of freak out happen a little bit. Musselman misses a guy's hand or goes super fast and walks away ahead. And Nevada coach says, Hey, what's up with your coach or bus or something? And then one guy turns around's like Who, whatever, screw you or something? You know what I mean, something like that. And the Nevada guy puts his hand back. Hey, just chill, relax. The other guy, that seems more like if you think about it, that seems logical, right? Muslim goes quickly through the line, maybe skips a guy or two. Utah State coach gets offended, says something to a whoever Nevada assistant was nearby. Nevada staffer gets away, says just chill, guys, and keep going. Mm -hmm. That that doesn't seem too out there. Having people yell. Racial chants or racial slurs from the student section or tackling. No, we saw no. But the way Nevada acted in locker why was there no punishment toward Nevada at all? They break property at the stadium. There was police involved nearby, going nuts and crazy just to the extreme. And we'll let each school handle it.
0: I mean, I see what you're saying, but again, it's hard. It's hard to know. At least from the videos from the that we saw, and I don't know what. The Mountain West got a hold of, to really understand what went on here. So I, I know a lot of people will disagree with me on this, but I think it probably was the best decision to let the individual schools handle it because if the Mountain West were to, say, suspend Carolina game or, like, find the university, we don't really know what happened to instigate this whole thing. So I don't, I don't know if that would have been the best possible outcome.
1: I would say breaking something – like the fire extinguisher should have been something. Here's the thing: what you do, simple answer. They played Air Force. You're gonna beat Air Force regardless. You're out first for Air Force game. That's all you going to do, and that probably would have been perfectly fine. It has no impact on the conference tournament. No impact later on. His X ray was fine after putting his hand. But like getting upset in the hallway. Okay, you're right. We don't know what led to that. But if you punch and break something like that, what if he smashed a chair against the hallway? You know what I mean? What's what, that looks pretty bad. It's yeah. maybe it was because you couldn't clearly see him give the punch. It was you could tell, but it wasn't like in front of the camera, like taking a chair, WWE style, smashing <laughs> it against the wall. Maybe it's the way it looked. But I don't know if you bust or break something. Why not? You play Air Force, dude. Sit versus Air Force. You're done for one game, and that's it. your back. They don't. Need yeah. him. They didn't need them yeah. to beat Air Force last night.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, so,
1: but like, I yeah. get. I've probably you're right. No information overall is not conclusive, but. I felt that would have been appropriate, like without do with no punishment. Like it's, I'm not like saying that's the worst decision ever, but when you see a guy break something like that, you gotta do something, I think. And but Nevada won't suspend him or anything because you're 26 and three. You want to get a protected seed and not lose to Air Force.
0: Yeah. I so, mean, it was it was nothing that nothing came out of it that I didn't expect to come out of it. Like my my prediction for what the Mountain West would dig up and eventually say is pretty much what was. Dug up and said.
1: I am surprised there's no fine for court storming. That's kind of a thing to do that.
0: A, a fine for that?
1: So, yeah, court storming the court. Yeah.
0: Hmm. So I don't. So know. That, does it generally lead to a fine? Some to to
1: permit to um, not allow like ten to twenty five thousand dollars from various leagues to do that.
0: Hmm. So
1: there's that. All right. So now that, we'll see if they play again. Again, I don't know. <laughs> if they play again, oh boy, that'd be crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, that'd be a good one.
1: So let's go to Colorado State, Utah State, because they played Tuesday night, if you listen to this Wednesday. They needed freaking overtime to beat Colorado <laughs> State. I'm like, I'm watching this game at work, I'm like, this can't be happening. Utah State, you're better than Colorado State. Sorry, Rams. But you're you're better than them. They go to overtime. They get the win. But did you see that? La- I joked. um you see the last-second shot by CSU? Uh,
0: the J.D. Page three-pointer? It's
1: like, what are you doing? I'm like, is that Dave yeah. Rice out there? <laughs>
0: Oh, jeez. Yeah, like, well, uh, after Nico Carvaccio fouled out of the game because he was it. unavailable for yeah. the last few possessions of regulation and then and, and overtime, so that made it tough. So they get the win. Sam Merrill
1: plays 45 minutes, 38 points, 6 assists, 8 rebounds, a steal, and only 3 fouls this time. Only one player fouled out. That, two players fouled out. <laughs> that's all. So good job, refs. I I think part of it, it's fine. They went in overtime. They I felt they should have won by more. Just because, but think about it. You're after you're you're back on the road after a, not just a huge win, but a crazy win for all the post game shenanigans that went on. Let me ask you this about Sam Merrill. Oh, also, sorry. Also, congratulations, Aggies share the conference title first time in like a decade. They do that. That's right. So kudos to them and Craig Smith. Good job. I hey, Sam Merrill Like he's only won one conference player of the year week award. Is he like how close is he to maybe being the best player in the conference? You would think.
0: I think if the voting were to happen a day and the game – I mean, the voting will be based on these past 18 games. I think it will be named the Mountain West Player of the Year.
1: Over – who else would be in consideration for you?
0: Uh, Caleb Martin and Jordan Caroline. I think they're second and third, either either which way. Do you think
1: mostly because of the late season, what he's been playing for – Um, oh, shoot, Meryl. Sorry, for how he's been playing. Is that why he should get it?
0: Go yeah, ahead. well, Meryl's been awesome lately, and being able to share the title with – what he's done and where Utah State was pegged to start the season I think is really impressive. And, and on the other side, Carolina's had his recent struggles um, on the court, and he's had a few off games against Utah State and San Diego State, both of those losses. And, I mean, Cale Martin, fantastic player as well, but his stats don't really quite match up to where Merrill's are right now. And Sam Merrill, with these stats, to share the title um, for the Mountain West title and be averaging – 22 points, 3.9 rebounds, 4.4 assists, and 38% from deep. That's going to be really tough to match. And what he's done these last four games down the stretch when the Aggies needed four victories has just been fantastic. He hasn't even left the floor these past four games for even a second. He's played every single minute, averaged 30 points a game, seven rebounds per game, three assists per game, and he's only turned the ball over four times in the last four games. So he's just been phenomenal. I think everyone is starting to lean with the Utah State, Utah State Aggies for both Coach of the Year and Player of the Year. Another
1: add-on to your stat: Merrill's played 287 out of 290 minutes over the past seven games.
0: Jeez, yeah, he, I mean he's been a workhorse, and he's been not only producing but also being efficient and uh, taking care of the basketball, and even beyond just the offensive end, what he's done on defense as well has been really, really impressive.
1: All right, so Utah State season is done. They are – I think we discussed it before, so I want to make sure we get it right. They're conference titles, sharing the conference title with Nevada. They can – the only way they can get the number one seed is if Nevada loses to San Diego State. Yes. And so I would give them an outright conference title. Whew, that'd be crazy. But actually, maybe not too crazy because Nevada already lost to San Diego State. Could be fourth time in a row. We'll see how that goes. But And then if Nevada wins, it's um, Nevada or Utah State 1-2 pretty simple so let's get to that game is Nevada going to beat San Diego State finally
0: <laughs> I, I do think they went at home I think they're going to have just so much fire for this one it's going to be a lot easier to play in Lawler than it is at Viejas and they've had their struggles on the road so they're almost a different team at home I would say I don't know if you agree with me on that one as opposed to what well, they yeah, played all, on the road
1: all three losses on the road
0: yeah, and they're probably three most hostile environments that they have played in all season long. So I do think they take care of business and probably win this one by double digits. So if they win, that
1: so I, I kind of agree with you. They'll be they'll kind of be pissed, even though ASU's been playing better. It'll be a pretty good game, but I think they'll take care of it. So as for the way the seeding can turn out, we got a huge game tonight: Fresno San Diego State, which will basically decide the three seed. I guess it's like who do you want to avoid: Utah State or Nevada? Does it matter?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean? it, both, both are tough. There's like one a and one B.
1: So that'll be a good game to check, check out tonight. Like I, I probably lean Aztecs. They've been playing better of late the past. Well, Fresno States kind of loving the same league, league record of play. They've just kind of been not stepping up to what people have been doing. They've lost two of the last four air is One losses too, two, which is kind of a little shocking for them, but they got San Diego state tonight. They'll beat seeing Jose San Jose on Saturday, probably top four seed. Uh, I guess we should get to this because the rest of the game like – is there any – Um, actually, let's do this, Eli, because I should probably make sure we bring it up here. The top five get a buy, correct? Yes. Three, four, five. So right now it looks like – is that basically set? There's no way Air Force can jump
0: up, right? No, top five is locked.
1: Okay, so you got Nevada's five, locked at five. San Diego, Fresno, three or four. Utah State, Nevada, one or two. So that's pretty much it. Okay, so I was just making sure to double check. We want to cover everything here and not to oh, miss yeah. anything just because, hey – there could be some drama. The only drama really is, I guess, if you consider Fresno, San Diego State, any drama, which besides being a good game, yes, Utah State, San Diego State, huge game to see what happens. The whole thing's set. So did you see on our power rankings, people were quite upset that we had Utah State number one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that. There were a lot of GIFs that were shared by our Nevada readers, and that's understandable. And I, I talked to some Nevada fans on Twitter as well and basically said that if you still want to keep Nevada number one, I totally get that. Um,
1: I did. I kept number one. I you did. You. Yeah, okay.
0: I, mm-hmm. um, so, and I get that. Like Nevada's still what they are, which is a top fifteen, top twenty team nationally. And Utah State isn't ranked. Uh, but at least in terms of how I've seen both of these play, both of these teams play as of late. Nevada's two and two in their last four games. Utah State is one, I believe, thirteen of fourteen. I just think like that the Aggies are playing better basketball right now, and that's why I put them number one. So they both have won their respective head-to-head game against each other at home. And so it just adds to the fact that, I mean, how good these two teams are. And if you want to go with Nevada, that's fine. If you want to go with Utah State, that's fine as well. And they'll probably end up with the same league record when it's all said and done anyways.
1: I The reason I went with Nevada because the whole year – because it depends how you your philosophy of your ranking. Are you going to um... – Put a team that's play, like you said played swimming well of late out there more losses but beat them split head to head. You have the one head to head there was a blowout for Nevada which clearly uh, Utah State's been a different teams since then. Or do you go with the hot team? And so uh, my biggest surprise in our poll was that I thought be more closely aligned like a split. It was I think eight to two or seven to three. I forget exactly what it was, but it was overwhelming majority for Utah State number one, and that that's kind of what surprised me a little bit because I I thought it'd be more close. I thought it could be a tie. I thought it'd be maybe five, five. You know what I mean? Like I thought it'd been maybe Nevada gets a couple extra, like six, four more split, but it surprised me. But now there's some Nevada fans that got it. Some were like, what are you talking about? We're ranked in the top 20. They're not ranked at all. I'm like, well, yeah, but look where Utah state started. It'd be like to get them ranked. They'd need probably two more wins. They'd be 25th, maybe. But look at where they started to climb up to get respect, to be ranked. Oh, they're finally – oh, look at this team. Won 10 in a row, 8 of 10, 13 of whatever. They keep winning. And so to go up and where Nevada loses, drops a couple spots, lose, drop a couple spots. I It took me a while to figure out. I'm like, oh, I get the win, but both were at home. So that's kind of where I went with Nevada to go number one just because I felt so – if you look at the whole year, they have been better. But I'm not going to discount anybody, like you said, putting whoever's number one in. There are plenty of Wolfpack fans who got it that some were like – not too happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's understandable as well. And I like if I woke up on a different side of the bed, maybe I would have picked Nevada. You just never know. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the Mountain West tournament. And a, a rubber match between these two teams would just be fantastic.
1: And they'll be down there, which would be fun. Oh yeah. Um, so you're, you already mentioned Craig Smith. Is he, is he your coach of the year, no matter what? Yes. I kind of agree with you. I'd maybe wait till the San Diego State. I'm thinking about it, but Utah State season is done. So it's not like I, we are chatting before. Like, oh, what if Utah State loses and Nevada gets outright? There's no outright chance for Nevada, for Nevada to get this. They can only share or not win it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's two things. Like, this first, it means no disrespect to Eric Musselman at all because he's had this is the best season ever for Nevada basketball in the regular season. This going 26 and three, or what do they, they'll get, what's the record? They have not Not no, no 27 and three. 27 yeah. And from so yeah. Maybe 28. No, nah, but this will be their best regular season ever, even going back when they had confessed. Was it um, – oh, geez. His um, jersey just got retired recently from the '01 one team in the WAC. Yeah, Fasakis, yeah. Fasakis. I want to say the uh, some other player who played quarterback in Nevada last year has a similar <laughs> name, so I'm like, oh, I don't want to mess with that. But I knew it was something like that. So this will be like, their best team ever, clearly. It's a couple things. If you look at, like, some people point out, like, in our comments, Utah Jazz head coach Jerry Sloan, one of the best coaches ever, rarely wins a coach of the year nba bill belichick in the nfl look how patriots their 16 year run what a million Super Bowls. i don't even know if he's won coach there maybe once like early on like if you're perceived like even greg popovich and nba the spurs or i'm not sure phil jackson with the bulls i don't recall offhand but sometimes if you're like the coach at the top coaching the best team you don't get the respect you would get as being a great coach, or to win, not excuse me, let me rephrase that, getting the coach of the year award, because what do you want to go with? Greatness, a team that was already expected to be great, or say our Utah State example, a team that's probably supposed to win, be ninth in the conference, maybe 10 wins overall, exceed double those victories, and win the conference. It depends what's the better job. Keeping greatness where you expect it to be great, or just blowing out any expectations by far.
0: It's for me. It's just how you perceive the award, and pretty much yes. that's what you said yeah.
1: too. log words, yes. <laughs>
0: like yeah, it. I think we can both agree Eric Musselman is the best coach in the Mountain West. I don't think there's any doubt that there's another coach in this league Correct. that we think is better. But does that mean that he should receive the Coach of the Year award? I don't. I don't think so because I think Craig Smith, uh, what he's done with this roster, he has less talent. Than Nevada. I think everyone can agree with that. Mm-hmm. And the expectations were significantly lower. Utah State was picked ninth in the preseason media poll. Nevada was an all but one vote unanimous pick to uh, win it in the Mountain West this year and had a top 10 roster. So, it, again, it, it just goes back to how you perceive the award. Either you pick the best coach who had the best team, or you pick the coach that you think. Uh, exceed the expectations the most. And that's or coached the, the best. You
1: could say he had the better coach. the best, yeah. He um, did a better coaching job because he's not as yeah, good and, talent. And
0: Craig Smith has done more with less than Nevada. So um, that's why I would roll with Craig Smith. But again, just like I said with the power rankings, if you want to go with Eric Musselman, I do get that because I will say this. I don't think that there is many more than – Maybe five coaches nationally that could do the job that Eric Musselman did with this roster this year because there were so many questions heading into the season. How is Eric Musselman going to handle a roster with all these transfers? How is he going to have eight or nine double digit scores and only be able to play X amount of minutes for these guys? And a top hundred recruit who barely plays. Yeah, he's he's been he's led this team to be ranked in the top ten all but what the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, has only three losses all year long uh, against conference rivals and true road atmospheres he's been phenomenal and this team has been great and the fact that many folks are treating this Nevada team like they're um, like not even ranked or a 10 loss team even though they're 27-3 and 3 on the year and are ranked um, is something that I just won't quite understand but that does all fall back to expectations what did you think Nevada was going to be heading into the year have they met that or not. And uh, that's what a lot of people's judgment of Nevada has been based on this season. But, again, I'm, I'm going to go with Craig Smith right now. I think he's just done a fantastic job. And um, I, I posted that little graph earlier this week of where Craig Smith ranks among all first-year head coaches, and that includes all the Power Six schools and all the other coaches. And he pretty much statistically has done the best job in terms of winning percentage and Ken Palm rank. So it's been really impressive to see what he's done with Utah State this season. And I'm excited for what he does in year two and so on.
1: Yeah, speaking of the 10 loss events, I'm pretty sure it was Russ over it. made major madness. He's like, quit yep. treating this team as a 10 loss team. They're 26 and three. Yeah. It's like, what do you expect them to be? Like losing three games in any conference? It's, I mean, overall, it's like, come on. Just because they're conference games, it's teams are part of it is teams know each other more, they play each other more. They're more familiar. It's not like you're a one-time going to a Kentucky or Duke or Gonzaga that you never play them, where it's little, oh, what's, what's this team we're playing here? What, what are we doing? But it, it's, it's a great year. I, I'd go, like I said, go with Smith. Well, I'm not before we wrap it up here. Maybe two things. So I'm pull, I pulled up your nine bold predictions. We'll go over this in more detail next show before we get to our conference tourney stuff. Okay. Here's one where you are spot on. Number eight. The Mountain West regular season title is decided on the last day.
0: Hello, we did not think that's one. going to
1: happen. I'll get to other ones, too. We'll get those next week. But I want to bring that one up because that will be decided on the last day. The outright title will be decided.
0: That's here's right. What, here's... See, the, the problem is with me projecting <laughs> it, would be against, uh, it would be determined by Nevada or San Diego State, which it does fall down to that game, but uh, just two different teams.
1: Here's what you say real quick. Nevada hosts San Diego State on March 9th, the final game of the Mountain West regular season. Last year, the Wolfpack grabbed the title with E sweeping Boise State and finishing two games ahead of the Broncos at season's end. Though Nevada enters the preseason as the highest-ranked Mountain West team ever at number seven in the preseason eight people, Brian Dutcher's Aztecs aren't far behind, which they're not. They're, they could finish third. <laughs> if SDSU can keep pace with Nevada early in the conference play, the two-late matchups, February 20th, we already saw, Aztecs win. Could very well determine this year's regular season champ, which it will. You don't, spe- you, um, you need to go on to say the Aztecs won nine <laughs> conference games for each NCAA tournament this past spring. So the other stretch one could be in the works for if San Diego State clicks late. You are exactly right on everything. You don't specifically say <laughs> the winner of this game wins the conference title.
0: That's right. That's so right.
1: this matchup will determine the title. It's just Aztecs have been eliminated from
0: the And title. San Diego State did click late. so They
1: are. So hey, it's-
0: <laughs> I'll take it.
1: Well, actually, I'm going to do one last thing. That's great. We'll go through these later, and maybe I'll tweet these out again because they're fun to look back and see. Mm-hmm. Um, Nevada Final Four. We'll see. That's still at TBD. A couple, actually, two things I want to say. I've been seeing a lot of brackets. I'm crossing my fingers Utah State comes to Salt Lake because I'm going to be at the hopefully be at the game depending what day it is. I've seen an, as high as an eight seed in Salt Lake. Is that way too high for the Aggies? Uh, that's.
0: I think that's asking a bit much.
1: I seen eleven. I think eleven nine. I mean, eleven seed could be more likely. If they um, even they beat Nevada, what is okay? We're gonna wrap up quick, shortly here, but let's just say they sweep the tournament and they beat Nevada again. Would that get them like a top eight seed?
0: They could probably get to that eight nine game.
1: How great would it be if they were to play? Because one match up I, I think is Jerry Palm CBS. Then playing Syracuse, which I think they can beat, and then they play Gonzaga in round
0: two yes please yes please it, it would be a okay a matchup against Brandon Clark of Gonzaga Bulldogs the former San Jose State transfer we'd get Sam Merrill against Josh Perkins Namias Keita against Ruby shots. Hachimura and Brandon Clark that would be such a fun matchup especially on the west coast when you have uh, two really really good uh, western teams this year I think that would be so much fun
1: and home court advantage Aggies check 80 something miles from Logan that's right yeah and I'm hoping like I, and then I saw Nevada and Salt so like too. So I'm like, Cause I got passes from my work. I'm like, I right, hopefully to be there depending on what day they play. But uh, if they, I don't know how they get, I think they can get like maybe a 10, if they can win out, maybe a nine, but I don't know. It's if they can come to Salt Lake, that would be amazing because it shouldn't happen because, because you know, if that happens, Gonzaga fans will blow up. Whoever's the number one seed, whatever the higher seed they're playing. Cause typically top four seed is supposed to be protected to some degree. Right. Yes. Regionally. So, like, Nevada is in great shape because they're San Jose and Salt Lake. That's kind of almost right in the middle. They're a little bit closer to San Jose than Salt Lake, but that's not – it's like an eight-hour drive from Reno to Salt Lake. I think maybe seven. It's almost a midway point to San Francisco, to that, that bay area. So that's fine. So they're probably pretty good even if they're a five seed. They, they're going to probably stay out west no matter what. But if somehow Utah State goes to Salt Lake and they play whatever – I don't know what seed draw are out here exactly, but that, if they're going to be a lower seed – like playing at 10 7, whatever, if that's the case, they're at 10, fine. But if they play the two seed, three seed, one seed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially the one seed out west, which so going to be Gonzaga, most likely at this location. I don't know what seed it'll be, but they're going to be flipping out, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, but Gonzaga does travel really well if that were to be the case. So um, the, yeah, I, you know, I think that would be. But I guess the, the one thing to note here with the NCAA tournament locations, they usually have at least one or two first round sites in that Pacific or mountain time zone. And it's not that often that you have all the top four protective seeds coming out of the Central or Eastern time zone. Like you, you either have maybe Gonzaga or Arizona or UCLA or one of those teams as a protected seed. So that's why you get four seeds. Like this year it could be Marquette or Virginia Tech or Florida State having to head out west to San Jose or Salt Lake City. And right. that obviously gives the benefit of the doubt to those teams like Utah State or um, some of those West Coast-type teams that could play out West against a team that's in the Central or Eastern time zone in that first weekend.
1: So you mentioned uh, Marquette there. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> they got
1: some good wins, but who knows what's going to happen with them. Is uh, Kobe McEwen's even he playing here, or she had to sit out this year?
0: He has to sit out this oh, year. I
1: was like, I forgot. I'm like, ah. I oh, it wouldn't have fun. wouldn't <laughs> have fun. I, I, was, I was double-checking right now. I'm like, I don't see stats. Is he playing? I wasn't <laughs> sure if he graduated or not, because that would be pretty amazing. Uh, I think we're good we've got a good 40, 40 plus minutes um, we will have another show soon <laughs> yeah. I, we'll figure it out we'll do it before the conference tournament we'll go over some awards and stuff we'll go over because our staff will have awards out too we'll get a our own postseason first team second team newcomer all that type of stuff um, is your defensive player in freshman year Kata? yes okay. definitely alright that makes sense so you already said probably Sam Merrill is your player of the year Yep, Craig going to as well. That's yeah. probably heading that same direction for me as well. Um, we'll check out a few other things when our staff goes into uh, consideration for our voting. But what we'll do when we we'll come back, we'll, do, we'll go over those 9 bull predictions because it's always fun because it's fun to see how right or most people wrong. We probably go over know those. And then we got the tournament. We will do a, pre- a tournament preview going next week, and then you'll be in Vegas. to um, We'll do all sorts of fun stuff. So stay tuned oh, yeah. to MWCWire on Twitter checks out mwr.com and it has been a let me ask you this has this season exceeded expectations for you
0: in conference yes this this has been awesome i thought nevada was going to run away with it but it's been entertaining a lot of fun games this has been good it's been pretty good
1: yeah same with utah state surprising because i wanted to see like had they it would have been exciting either way going undefeated like what st joe's did or wichita State a while back but having competition league and not seeing blowout after blowout for nevada and also we've also curbed those double digit victories aren't happening as much anymore after the first couple weeks yeah <laughs> where it, every it game was a 10 a point bit. or more <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see all the week guys we go. We've got a couple more games this weekend tune into like I said san Diego state First now if you get this um, wednesday night you got utah state or excuse me san Diego state nevada probably watch that on cbs sports network saturday night and then yeah like i said well what are we playing on sunday does that sound good perhaps as we, yeah, put, that sounds put, good. we put each other on the spot sunday Sunday night, I'm thinking, most likely, because I just realized I'm going to be out of town sort of on the weekend, but I'll be back Sunday night to do that. So we'll, we'll talk some hoops Sunday night and go over some fun stuff, and we'll see you next time, folks.